Well, welcome to part three of our series about how to have the best Christmas ever. Uh, to recap what we've talked about so far, what we've learned, and we talked about this right from the very beginning, that Christmas is all about choosing the right priorities. It's about prioritizing the right things, the things that are going to make the most difference. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about how we have to have the best Christmas lights, and we talked about how Jesus is the best light for us to follow because his light actually gives us direction, a life without condemnation. One that doesn't point fingers at us and point blame at us, but you used to be like, you are still that way, and so on. Life without condemnation. That's what, make Jesus, that's what makes Jesus the light of the world because he has so much hope. And last week, we learned about the best Christmas cooking. And it's not about what you put on the table, but who's around the table. Who's around the table is more important than what's on the table. And so we learned to leverage food, to leverage the things that our family and friends like, to draw them into closer relationships, and as a way for us to invite others into our lives and into the life that God has for them through Jesus. And today, we are talking about how to have the best Christmas gift. So let me ask you, think for yourself for a moment, what makes the, a good Christmas gift? And then take that even farther and think, how would that become the best? Automatically, we think, you know what it has to be? It has to be something that the person wants. And I think that's true, but it's not enough. I think that the best Christmas gifts actually have two things. They are exactly what someone needs at exactly the right time. The best Christmas gift is exactly what someone needs at exactly the right time. Now, that can be really, really, really difficult to figure out especially when they're going through difficult times or they have a lot of things. You wonder, how do we buy the right kind of gift that just communicates how well we know them and how much we love them? And when times are difficult, when times are tough, it can be really difficult to give a gift that makes an impact now in that moment. How do you do it in a way that doesn't embarrass someone? How do you do it in a way that builds someone up rather than just points out that they're in a tough situation and that they needed this to get out of it? You know, in our skit, we saw the husband wondering, what's the point? And sometimes at the holidays, sometimes at Christmas, we get into moments where we wonder, what's the point? Didn't it feel that way last year? When all of a sudden no one could travel, everything shut down, you wonder how you're going to get together, and all of the conversations were just, just heightened and were difficult to have, and you wonder, man, what is the point of gathering together? What is the point of giving gifts when all of these things are going to be happening? Maybe, just maybe, that's you. Not last year, but right now. And you're in a situation right now where maybe you've been out of work. Or maybe you're wondering where the help is that you need. You're wondering if people really know what you 
need. I think there's some times when all of us wonder in life. What's the point? Does someone really know me? Does someone really know you to give you the best Christmas gift? If that's you, then I have good news this morning. Because the answer is that someone does know you better than you know yourself. It is a question that God excels at answering. And we see how God loves to give the perfect gift in the classic nativity Christmas stories that we read at this time of year. Let me show you. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. If you have a Bible with you, I'd encourage you to grab it, pull it out, follow along. You can take some notes in the margin or underline things that you see. Uh, if you don't have a Bible with you, no worries. We've got the verses for you right here on the screen. Hey, read this. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. Now that, let me just jump in here and interrupt for a second. That's pretty important for Matthew, the author, to tell a Jewish audience that this is the one. You can know that he is the one that will save Israel, that will redeem Israel from all of her oppressors. That's what they thought the Messiah was. And they were trying to see, is Jesus really the Messiah? And so he says, this is how it all came about. This is how he came. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through, through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Do you think Joseph thought this was a good gift? He's engaged. He's excited to be taking Mary as his wife. And one day as they're walking through the village at the cool of the evening, hand in hand, maybe talking about future life and dreams. Mary seems like kind of distant and, 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 and lost maybe, but, but, but kind of like, oh, what? And finally Joseph gets it and he says, you know, what's going on? And she says, I, I have some news. Maybe you should sit down. Joseph looks around and, and thinks, we're walking. There's nowhere to sit. I'm not going to sit down. She goes, okay, but it's, it's really big news. Honey, I'm pregnant What do you think Joseph said? I can tell you what I would have said if I was Joseph. What did you do? And the choices of what Mary did are very, very limited in my mind if I'm Joseph, right? And Mary says, oh, no, 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 no. It's not what you think. It's the Holy Spirit. God has done it. Mary, I, I know we're teenagers, but uh, uh, did your parents not give you the talk about the birds and the bees? Like, did they not, did they not teach you, like, did they not show you what you're saying is impossible? I don't think Joseph 
believed her for a moment, no matter what her story. Angels coming, come on. You're pregnant. And if you really think about it, I think Joseph thought that this wasn't a good gift at all. I think he thought that his life was ruined. I think he thought that he had just experienced the ultimate act of betrayal. In Jewish culture, back in those days, to be engaged in society's eyes is like you are already married. You have made that public commitment. And now you're waiting for a time for all the family and all the village to gather together to have a big feast and celebrate this new couple coming together as one. And Mary went ahead and celebrated on her own. I think he's devastated. I think Joseph feels absolutely betrayed. And it was terrible when it happened then, that feeling. And it's terrible when it happens today. When someone else makes a decision that ruins your life. When someone else betrays you, it hurts. And it hurts the more that you trusted them in the past. The closer you are to them, when betrayal comes, it hurts all the greater. If you have a job you love, and you come in the week before Christmas, and HR calls a meeting and says, unfortunately, we've had some budget cuts this past year. We're going to be making some changes, and everyone in this room is now unemployed. And we apologize, we're going to help you, we're going to help you create whatever it is that we need to do. But you're just let go the week before. You feel betrayed. It's a job you love, it's a job you poured your life into, and you're just done. When family comes and betrays you, when marriages are broken by adultery, which is the same feeling that Joseph would have felt, it it feels like the ultimate act of betrayal that we wonder, what does this other person have that I don't? What's wrong with me? And it ruins people. And I think in that moment, Joseph felt just like that because he knows what the law says. He's a person who follows the law. Someone who commits something like this should be put to death. Remember, Two weeks ago, we talked about Jesus and the woman who was caught in adultery, dragged before him, and he said, but he who is without sin cast the first stone. We know what the punishment was for breaking the most sacred of covenants beside your covenant to the Lord. But he didn't want that to happen to her. He didn't want to embarrass her shame her, punish her forever. I think he does something that, when you think of it in the scope of, of, of things and how we kind of live in a, uh, let me get my revenge, let me get my justice, let me get my just desserts, he's willing to give her a 
certificate of divorce and to do it quietly. Now, in that culture, that was a way for both parties, but particularly the woman, to walk away from a marriage and have future opportunities because it was basically like no-fault insurance. She could go back to her family. She could go back home and say, no, it wasn't on me. And you never have to explain. And she could go on and have a life and have a future. And Joseph says, let's do that. So in other words, what Joseph is saying is, I'm not going to ruin your life like you did mine. But I do not trust you enough to spend the rest of my life with you. It's over. Merry Christmas, everyone. There's the Christmas story that we miss. It starts with this brokenness. A life ruined. Betrayal. It's terrible when it happens. It's terrible when it happens to us. And it's all the more heightened when it happens to us on the holidays. But, just as God does, God shows up. And the story continues. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, Son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Joseph didn't think that this baby was a gift. I mean, let's be honest. If someone were to come to our Christmas party, we had a great uh, best Christmas dessert party ever last night. Uh, I had too much gourmet hot chocolate. I went home and I had the worst sugar crash in the history of sugar crashes. It was something. I went home. I didn't feel good. I left left right at the end before cleanup. I felt horrible. Uh, went home, well, kind of horrible. And then I went home and and just sat on the couch and thought, I'm so wired. I want to do something and I'm so exhausted. I can't move. <laughs> We had a uh, white elephant gift exchange at, at our, our Christmas party. And imagine that one of the gifts, as someone went up to the table, opened it up, and it was someone else's child. Is that a gift? Imagine family, distant relatives come to your home for Christmas, and they say, look, we brought you the best Christmas present we can give you. Here's our child. I think one of the best things about being grandparents uh, and, 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 and so on, or one of the best things about babysitting other kids is that you always get to give them back. 
They're not your kids. They're not your responsibilities. Joseph thinks this is not a good gift at the best of scenarios. If we're going to have a child, please let it be our child. We don't want someone else's kid forced on us and we're being told, yes, this is a gift. No, we want to choose. And the angel comes and says, let me tell you why Jesus is the best gift. Why this child that Mary's carrying is the best gift. One, he will save people. That's pretty good. But what will he save them from? Sin. In other words, people's ruined lives. The way people have betrayed you, you can move on from that without brokenness. And the way that you have done the same to others. We like to focus sometimes, I think, a little too much on the way people ruin our lives, on the things that happen to us, how people's sins affect us, how their betrayal deeply wounds us. But we don't like to dwell on the fact too often that the things that we do sometimes ruin others. Sometimes the things that we choose to do are acts of betrayal that ruin other people's lives. It ruins our relationships with them. In other words, we are all ruined. We are all broken. We have all felt betrayal, and we have all been betrayers. We have done this to others, and we know it. And the angel comes to Joseph and says, he will save you from that. He will save you from your sin. And he will do that because he is proof of the scripture that God is near to you. Which is what we talked about couple of weeks ago that God is not disgusted by your sin so much that he cannot bear to be in your presence instead he welcomes us into his and says I can provide a way forward from your sin he will save people he will save you and I from sin and he is proof of the scripture that Emmanuel is real Matthew is a great gospel writer, tells the story of Jesus so well because he thinks back to a time when there was a king in Israel who really felt the pressure of what was happening in his country uh, politically and militaristically. He thought the country was falling apart and his only option was to get outside foreign help, which in those days would have been to say, we need the help of other gods. Our God isn't enough. And the prophet came and told him this sign that a virgin would be with child. She will have a son and it will be proof that they could trust God in the middle of their crisis. 
And that's true for Joseph. That's true for you and me. That in the middle of our times of crisis, Jesus is the proof that God is with us. And God is for us. Right now, wherever you are participating, in this room online, know this. God is with you and God is for you. He is the greatest gift. Because God looked at us in the middle of our brokenness, in the middle of being ruined, in the middle of being betrayed or betraying someone else and sees this is what they need and they need it now. So he gives us something that we've always wanted. The presence of God close. For those of you that have been uh, Christians and following Jesus for a long period of time, you've had moments when you felt the presence of God. It may be in a worship service, it may be listening to a song, it may be other things like that, and you feel that God is close. Or you're reading something in a book, you're studying a devotional, and God, you feel a voice, you feel something speak, or it's in a, a message that you heard, or a podcast that you're listening to, and you feel the presence of God close. You know what that's like, and you long to have that kind of clear guidance in moments more often. Jesus is the key to experiencing all of that. And not only is it something that we want, it's something that we need. Who would not want to be forgiven of their brokenness? Who would not want to be able to forgive those who have ruined them? That's what heals you. That's what heals the world. And that's why Jesus is the greatest gift. Because he will prove all of that is true and possible for us. But we have to take one step. That's who Jesus is. We have to do one thing in response to understanding that just, this is what Jesus does and this is what he offers. This is why Jesus is the best gift for not only what we want, but what we need. This is how we must respond. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son. And he gave him the name Jesus. Not Joseph, not David, but Jesus, breaking with all family traditions to give him a new name, the name that had been commanded him. He believed by acting on that belief, by acting in faith before Jesus had done anything that had been promised, that he would know the presence of God, that he would know forgiveness of his sins, he acted in faith that this is who Jesus would become and this is what he would do. That's what you do with gifts. You receive them even though they haven't done anything for you yet. You open the package on Christmas morning. It's a sweater. You believe that the sweater would be able to keep you warm, right? But the sweater hasn't done anything until you put the sweater on. 
You act in faith that it is going to fit. You start to put it on and you wear it before it's done anything for you except look nice or silly depending on if it's a Christmas sweater. You just put it on. And then it begins to work. Gifts are something that you have to receive in order to experience what you already believe. This Christmas, you can receive the greatest gift that you could ever know. A gift from God that is not only what you know you, you want, but something that sometimes we need to be convinced I think that we need. Sometimes it can be hard to admit that we need a savior, but if we look at the world around us, we can see that the world needs a savior. And we are part of that world. That means by extension that you and I need saving. And Jesus offers that you can receive the gift of jesus into your life this morning you can know that god is with you you can know that god has saved you you can be transformed why because jesus is the greatest gift why should we put our belief in, in jesus because the gift of jesus offers us forgiveness of sin and closeness with the god who created you and loved you and who would give you the gift in the first place the greatest gift of all is the gift of Emmanuel God with you and if you would like to do that this morning there's a couple of steps you can take the first step is to join me in prayer we'll have a chance for you to pray and you'll have a chance to believe in who Jesus is and begin to trust him to take those steps to receive that gift and see what God does in your life to transform you. And the second step would be to let us know that you prayed that prayer. To fill out one of our connect cards, to go to our website and visit the connect us page. Or to go to uh, the connect page and fill out as much information. But let us know, I prayed to receive the gift of Jesus today because we would love a chance just like joseph needed to learn how to put into practice what the angel had told him to do we also need to learn what it means to receive the gift of jesus regularly on a daily basis to let him lead our lives and we'd love a chance to do that our whole purpose as a church is to connect people to jesus christ and to help them grow in a caring community we believe that this is your opportunity to receive the greatest gift that God wants to give you. Will you bow your head with me? Jesus, thank you for the gift of Jesus. We thank you for the gift of you. Father, that you would send your son, the Messiah, to save us from our sins, the sins that other people have committed against us, willingly or unwillingly, and the sins that we have committed against others, and the sins that all of us have committed against you. All of those things resolved in who Jesus is. His death, his resurrection paid the penalty for our sins and gave us an opportunity to know you, to know you personally. 
to know you better than we know our own family. We thank you for that great gift. But Lord, we need to receive it. And if there's anyone here in the room today uh, who, who is ready to receive, if there is anyone who is participating online or watching the video on demand or listening to the podcast, Lord, I pray that you would help them to pray this prayer. Jesus, I am a sinner and I need saving. I believe that you are the gift that can save me and bring me close to you. I choose to receive that gift that you gave when you died on the cross that you proved when you rose from the dead. I choose to receive that gift and follow you as my Savior. Amen. Again, if you prayed that prayer this morning, or you prayed that prayer whenever uh, you are participating and watching online, then let me encourage you to follow up with us. We'd love to help uh, begin that, help you begin that journey, that process uh, with you. You don't have to go alone uh, through that. But I have one more thing before we close this morning. It, it may be that you've been a follower of Jesus for some time. And maybe, just maybe, you have forgotten, like our friend in the skit, something that you need to remember. And it's to go back to the origin of why Christians celebrate Christmas in the first place. We celebrate Christmas because of the greatest gift that was ever given. The greatest gift of all. The Son of God. Jesus. The gift of Jesus has forgiven you of your sins and has given you a close relationship with Him. The gift, the greatest gift of all, is Emmanuel. Remember that. And know that today.